0: This is a very important topic in central Ohio because we are an auto industry region and um, electric vehicles take a lot less parts than a traditional combustion engine vehicle. Um, So there's parts being made possibly in the region right now that won't be needed in five years for a new vehicle. Right, and then you see that evolve, also, that it's gonna not be needed at AutoZone anymore, either. Right, so we're you've got to completely overhaul the way automobiles are being made. We have one, you know, one big um, manufacturer in the region, but it, it doesn't matter, it's not just them. There's all these OEMs here too, the, the original um, equipment manufacturers for all the, in the suppliers. So it's really important that we get a handle on this, understand it, be a part of the transformation of the auto industry from education all the way through the built vehicle.
1: We are looking forward our way. We're in Studio C in the 511 Studios. That is located just south of downtown Columbus in the brewery district. This is Brett, with me as always is Carol. Uh, you know, how long did it take you to get in the studio today?
2: Oh, my gosh. I The second I walked in the door, I was complaining about <laughs> traffic on 71. I come in from north of Polaris Parkway, and it was at a standstill. Right. So, um, you know, I'm just a complainer about traffic in Columbus. <laughs> we have, for those of you not from central Ohio, we have two seasons here, winter and orange barrel season. So it's a great topic today.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, after the orange barrel season, you do see the... the the, the joys of it, but it seems to Not kind of Dollar go. Dollar
2: County it seems to go
1: orange again after a while. So, no, oh well, yeah, we've got a, a, a returning guest to give us even more information on transportation issues in Central Ohio. Thea Ewing, Director of Transportation and Infrastructure Development for the Mid Ohio Regional Planning Commission, uh, most people know it as MORPC. Uh, thanks for joining us again today.
0: Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Carol. Always a joy to come talk to you guys oh. and share the great work of Morpsey. Thea's one of our favorite
2: people because we have fun. We laugh through the whole thing. Um, and luckily for you, you didn't have to actually drive here. We're right around the corner from from Morpsey, literally. Yeah. So uh, it's not too, too hard of a commute for her to come to <laughs> see us at the studio. That's true. That's there. true. So, um, Thea, last time we covered the role of Morpsey in our community... But let's just give a quick overview. It's such an important resource in our region. And yes, I know they're all over the country, but we think Morpsey is the top. Um, So you have incredible experience in this area. So just give us a little bit of background about Morpsey and your position.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Carol. So we are a regional planning commission in almost every region that has over 50,000 pe- people in the United States has a regional planning commission. And then, of course, if it's a larger community, it's a bigger regional planning commission. And and I would say we have one of the best. I'm pretty proud of my cr- crew and uh, my coworkers at Morpsey. We help community members um, with uh, residential services like home heating um, and assistance with weatherization. Um, We also do a lot of the planning with CODA and um, the Delaware uh, transit system. Um, We've been doing a lot of outreach, even to some of the rural transit systems. Um, We help plan bike paths and highways and pretty much anything related to transportation. And then with our local governments that are our members, all all of the cities and villages and townships in central Ohio, they all uh, do rely on us, too, to tell them about what's going on at the state house. So we have a whole arm that looks at government services and ensuring that, you know, they know um, how it's going to impact the way they do business in their community. And, of course, all the outreach and communications that come along with that. And, of course, the data and mapping. So we are, you know, a trove of that because of all the programs we run. Nice. She
1: sounds like she hates that, but we know that she loves the data. Oh, oh the you data. You love that.
0: I love <laughs> it. I love it. Yeah, it's just, it's a lot, you know. Yeah, there, right, right. And I, and now that we have so much technology, it's just so much more. You know, we're capturing mm-hmm. a lot of that. So it's a really exciting time because that is something that's so important to the work we do do is all that data Mm -hmm. and everything's very metric driven of course you know making an investment now you look at you know what's needed so that that gives us um, quite a bit of information to help guide the best spending of all of our money right Right. all the taxpayers dollars and
2: one of the things that you talked about the last time we were together is no one really has a clue as to the length of time you're looking at to create these projects all of that planning means money. And that's what Morpsey is so great at, is bringing our community the dollars we need to do the planning correctly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the ways this works is that Um, a regional planning commission like Morpsey Um, uh, in every region of the United States we do a long range plan so Morpsey Mm -hmm. does a long range plan that looks at at least 20 years we're given specific guidance by the federal government what we need to do in order to be qualified for funding from the federal highway funds Mm -hmm. uh, and other related programs like federal transit administration and so we put together this forward looking plan um, and we did that in 2020 um, and and it is a 30-year plan because we're going to go out to 2050. Um, and we uh, anticipate $30 billion right. in 30 years. It's crazy, right? right. And then um, from that, every project moves into a more short-range plan known as a transportation improvement program. What that means, when a, the word program is involved, that means the money is programmed. And that means you've got funds to spend. Right. So if your project lands there, it's ready to go. So right. we kind of do It's a two- two parts process and it's very open to the public and um, certainly all the projects that are really kind of boring like just a resurfacing all that stuff's in there but some really cool stuff like bike trails and this new link us uh, program that right. you know we're working on with uh, the city mm-hmm. of columbus and cota so yeah it's a, it's a laborious process we're here to do it and we're here to bring those community dollars back to central ohio
2: well you know we're for those of us who do come in and out of downtown, um, the whole 71, 70 changes, they're major. I mean, they are major. And yes, they are taking forever. But we're on the kind of the downside, aren't we? Like, this is happening. We have crest the hill of the 70,
0: 71 Community Crossroads Projects. Yes. The last one is in the queue now. Um, And how long
1: was that? When did it start?
0: Well, um, I'm
1: trying. I know it was stages, and it kind of took a breath and then stage is correct, kind of?
0: Yes. So I'm trying to go back to – I do believe it's over 20 years now. So – Uh, We did a ribbon cutting on this last segment, and um, Jack Marchbanks Mm -hmm. is the um, director of ODOT now. At the time that this was being initially studied in the early 2000s, he had kicked that off as the District 6 director back then. Wow. So this guy, he's seen this from the day he started it here in Central Ohio all the way to being the director of ODOT for the whole state. You know very cool um, so yeah it's 20 years in the making and we're not quite done yet um, and there was, you know, ebbs and flows in that, right. all dependent on funds, because those those bigger projects are kind of more in that discretionary flow of funding, and, and it mm-hmm. takes a little more maneuverability to get big projects off the ground. So certainly um, looking forward to seeing that be oh, mostly oh, done. Are,
1: you are? How about all of us? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, And well, the pieces that are done, though, are actually kind of cool that you see, like, oh, that makes sense that Mound does that. or you know. Oh, like, know. the on-ramps mm-hmm. and the off-ramps. So I'm thinking, okay, this could... Could, not that I'm um, uh, rethinking what's going to happen, but you, I can never put my head around. Oh, this is you. You see the master,
2: <laughs>
0: yes, of
1: it, and you kind of go, especially when, like, when six seventy was not connected.
0: Oh my God! Okay. Oh, I remember traveling yeah. over here, during yeah, that. right?
1: And and I saw an overview of what was going to happen, and I couldn't, in my mind, get in where. How does that link up with that over there? Right, which maybe right. a mile away. I guess it would have been probably. You know, I think that's all that was left of that. I could not envision, and once mm-hmm. it's put together, going, well, that makes sense. Well, this is cool, well, you know.
2: When I moved into Delaware County, I was just north past what was the, the amphitheater oh, at Polaris Park. Oh, boy, that's changed. Which is gone, not only gone, but it's taken my road and, and connected it to Gemini, which is the, the road behind the Polaris Mall. Which, for those of you outside of central Ohio, that's huge. It's a huge place. Mm. I, I couldn't figure it out. Right. Uh, and, I, yeah. and I was driving it every day, and I'm like, what are they doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you
0: had yeah. Ikea Way and yes. all the stuff that's
2: yes. racing. Yeah.
1: Well, it looked like oh. we were
2: going to be driving into a, you know, a big lot kind of thing. Right. So it's yeah. amazing. Well, it,
1: what we're talking about here, is that part of a master plan? I mean, I know it's all economic-driven. We want to make sure that the roads are easy to maneuver, that we get our stuff from point A to point B, whether it's us as the stuff or things we're gonna buy, is that part of a big master plan that obviously none of us really see?
0: yeah well you actually do see it in our long range plan and our metropolitan it's known as our metropolitan transportation plan i a lot of
1: times refer to it as long range because
0: that's the the old planner in me um but anyway the metropolitan transportation plan does kind of like line that stuff all up but then each project then has its own process and especially a bigger one like this there is a master sheet Mm -hmm. of like what segment goes when and what i find really interesting i'm a planner so i see the big vision Mm -hmm. um but the engineer see uh, breakdowns in the system. They say, okay, this isn't working functionally, and so they also understand. And this is what's really cool. I love talking to them because they, you know, make this stuff work. And they go, well, we got to start with section um, R, you know, or whatever. It's because if we don't open that section up first, then these cars aren't going to be able to get through, and so we'll be in a mess.
1: The logic, the logic of it, then basically.
0: Yeah, then they piece it together. Oh wow! Like you know, like we start with the corners and outside of a puzzle. You know, sometimes you know, and that's what we think is they put together based on traffic flow which is so it's just really cool process to watch that there's a model process that goes into it and of course you know flow analysis but really exciting that we have that kind of talent locally um and a lot of it's locally driven you know the you know that's not always a bunch of consultants from outside we have a lot of folks here locally kind of keep all that stuff going um at, whether it's odot Or, you know, Franklin County Engineer. um, They they all have to do that as part of their process.
2: Well, When you talk to those engineers, tell them the Gemini entrance onto 71 is great, but whoever decided to do a merge lane should have to travel that merge lane every day. Mm -hmm because it's not easy to get onto 71 while you're merging with the amount of truck traffic that we have up there. It's it's pretty crazy. So I have
0: heard some tell, conversations about that. Good, one.
2: good. That means that it's back on the table. <laughs> so, good.
0: That's great.
2: So, okay, Thea, we're not sure of any funding numbers for federal legislation as of today when we are actually taping this. Um, We've been talking about this for a while. I I think Morpsey has a handle on what's going to happen once funding is approved. Can you give us some hints as to what's on the table to move and maybe what's going to have to sit for a bit?
0: Yeah, so uh, quite a bit actually. There's there's an opportunity for us to see more funds flow in, and I've seen the numbers being as large as twenty five percent more in the first year, uh, and then kind of more of a smaller amount after that, uh, more of a single digit percentage growth. That will make a huge dent in the the number of projects we have on the list. So that would that would clear the deck for a lot of new opportunities or you know big things we have on the horizon like link us um, and uh, the work we're doing with CODA and um, the new transit assets that we're trying to bring to the region. But the big winner here, and I know we were going to talk about this a little bit later and I can share more then, is the um, rail. Amtrak uh, has a big segment in this budget and we are the very largest market. Uh, that they have not tapped and uh, they need to be looking at ways to invest in new places and we're at the top of their list. So it's a really exciting time to be where we're at. The deal that they have currently on the table based on what they knew at the time the bill was kind of being put together is that they would do the improvements in Ohio connecting S- Cincinnati, Dayton, Columbus, Cle- on up to Cleveland. And there's you know a number of stops in between there and some of the smaller areas that the funds would be used to um, pay for the uh, startup of the new service and all the improvements necessary for that cl- uh, cl- c- cleveland cincinnati columbus line and um with that then we would be able to um have all that updated and then into the future the state may be asked to pay like a subsidy in order to just maintain it and mean mm-hmm. you know and to help with the um uh, you know, maybe undersold tickets or anything like that. But we do anticipate that the ridership will, will be solid.
2: So my question before we started was, am I going to see this before I turn 80?
0: <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I don't <laughs> know. I, I know with you only being 39, I'm really confident that Oh, okay. Happen. That's
2: true. That's true. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, my gosh. So So, no, but we're really, yeah, we are really excited. I know last time I talked to you, we were talking about, Connections to Chicago yes. and, and to Pittsburgh. And we're still very much working that. Okay. But this Amtrak flip has really kind of put focused tension back on something that the state walked away from a couple of years or actually about 10 years ago. Can you believe it? Um, and so we we have some new open doors. Right. Federal federal government, Amtrak, local communities and, you know, businesses. Um, and it's a new day. Um, to have this conversation. And I think this legislation passing will open the door to a very, you know, a very different conversation about connecting the three C's. And oh, absolutely.
2: Ohio. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's the, I could never understand how we lost passenger rail in Columbus. Mm-hmm. It just didn't make any sense that we wouldn't have something. Um, and so even if it's just the three C's, that's a huge step for
0: us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, with anyone that has some history of the development of Columbus, knowing that 71 was a big divider for the city. I mean, it it Mm -hmm. broke up neighborhoods and access and uh, equity and such. So what, you know, not that this is happening, but we have that taste of like, mm, got to watch what we do and where we put things and and make it accessible and stuff. So, you know, what is MARPC doing to to move our systems toward a more fair and affordable transportation program in central Ohio?
0: Well, certainly we fund a lot of projects with those federal dollars mm-hmm. that we receive. So we have a whole scoring criteria that looks at the impacts on neighborhoods, the impacts on the environment. Um And economic impacts, too, right, Mm -hmm. Um, and and what that project may very well mean. And we go through this process, actually, with all of our partners in the region, um, like the City of Columbus and Delaware County, you know, whatnot, and they – tell us like okay well i think it'd be fair to be scored on this criteria or that criteria Um, and then we apply it and then after that they they can't really touch the scoring after we then start applying it and when we start applying it that's whenever those projects that have you know a minimal impact on a neighborhood that rises up above one that doesn't and things like that so it is a very very distinct Process uh, that we go through, and we're actually doing that right now for the upcoming funds. So that'll be all, that, all be done. So,
1: so does the community have a voice in that in some stage of it? Yes. Okay. I knew that answer was probably going to be a yes, but that's what I was going to say. I would encourage community to get involved. Then, yes, you have a control into the destiny of what's going to happen in your neighborhood. Then.
0: A hundred percent, not only in the scoring criteria, but then also the project list. Uh, um, there's 30 day comment periods in both cases. And then we have a community advisory committee, too, mm-hmm. um, that is seated and they share that out through their networks. Our whole goal is to bring in people who, you know, they maybe represent a whole group of folks like, mm-hmm. you know, like senior citizens mm-hmm. or they maybe, you know, I know one one does and then maybe one is more focused on in the African-American community and, you you know, ones in the ring suburbs, and ones city Columbus, and so on. You know, like so, we really try to be as representative as possible with that community advisory committee, and they are very engaged. So it's it's okay. exciting to work with them because they ask questions that we just don't think about,
1: right? Right. Well, different, can, different perspective, I can, exactly. exactly. I
2: can remember when we were doing the planning for the beginning of Age Friendly Columbus, and we were talking about the bus stops, and and the the shelters at bus stops. That's good for an older adult, but it's also good for a mom with a, a stroller, kid in a stroller. So just that notion of hearing from all sides is going to make the project better, but it also means the project's going to take longer cause to, to make sure all the bases are covered.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I don't even think it takes that much longer to do it right anymore well, that's good. because so much good. of that is baked into the process. If mm-hmm. you're really if you're doing it right from the very beginning, this isn't this isn't stuff. It should stuff. be
1: confirmation that you're doing it right. <laughs>
0: we <now. laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been doing this stuff yeah. for years and we should be getting it right. You know, we're we're long past the days of just plowing through a neighborhood mm-hmm. and relocating a bunch of people. Right. I think the thing we're faced with now is You know, I think some people want to make a right for the wrong. Right. You know, and say, OK, well, we got to open this back up. Well, in some cases, absolutely, because there's still a neighborhood here and it needs to be connected. But if that neighborhood's long since gone, I think the idea is like, what do, what are we going to do to at least share that history, mm-hmm. you know, interpretation? It may not need the reconnection. And maybe we need to think about that for now where those people now live. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, yeah. you know, Good way point. way to help them establish. So this isn't uh, this isn't a one for one story. Approach. You can't go at it like, "Oh, we've got to fix this problem we created in 1960," because the problem in 2022 isn't the same, right? Right?
1: Oh right. my gosh! Yeah. Well, yeah. I, and I guess my example, my, my my thought behind that is that it's it's not just plowing through now. Right. It isn't. It just to get something through. It's it's thought about in depth.
0: It's surgical. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Right.
1: And right. you
2: know, I to, you have to, although what what happened the result of 71 and 70 going through columbus was really catastrophic in some ways Uh it was also necessary
1: to for us to
2: be on the map it was necessary for columbus to be part of the
1: interstate system to be number one on amtrak's list yeah Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's right i mean all part and parcel if you think about it Sure. i I mean so
2: it, it we did the best we could with what we knew at the time Um, Thank goodness we've learned more and we're doing better at the planning. So I don't want to shortchange what was Mm -hmm. happening Mm -hmm. in Columbus because um, we're part of the national road.
0: Oh, my gosh. So you're bringing back so many memories yes. for me. I mean, uh, not all the way back to the beginning of the National Road, but <laughs> actually. so I'm only that 39, no so. <laughs> but the very start of my career was actually working on the National Road. I uh, worked on the scenic byway plan for oh. the Ohio National Road um, and made a lot of connections between Vandalia, Illinois and Cumberland, Maryland. There um, and there's just I I loved um the whole concept of like historic tourism, mm-hmm. and at that time, I, I I started working around 2002. So people were a little timid about flying, and so families were taking on on you know flying or driving, uh, maybe similar to what we've experienced in the pandemic. You know, they right. were less likely get those to RVs fly. out. Yeah. Yep, and they they were taken to the road, and <laughs> so the the national government government was actually uh, issuing. Um, these uh, National Scenic Byway Awards, and the idea being that these are places that are significant in the history of the United States. So I got really deep into that. In fact, my thesis was on uh, the policy, the national policy, and whether that actually helps preserve those sites and oh, the six cool. intrinsic qualities. Truth is, about 10% of those sites get lost almost every year.
2: Wow. You know, whether mm-hmm.
0: they be historic or scenic views due to, you know, billboards mm-hmm. or whatever. So really interpreting those places, that, that does get lost in some of these shuffles and is really important, um, especially if something is so significant to the way we've developed. And the National Road is big to Ohio. It was the first federally funded road. <laughs> I said, Don't get me started on the National yes, Road. Right. There you go. Well, I will tell you one thing that's that I found just crazy amazing about about this history is that a passable road. When that was built, it's like it's in the bill uh, in the bill, that a no segment should have stumps higher than four feet high. Oh,
1: my gosh,
2: I love that.
0: your wagon had to be able to get over it, so it had to be less than four feet. well, how many
2: how many times do you read the history of streets and roads where they go back and say, "Well, it was a deer path in the beginning. You're yeah. like, there you go.
1: It, oh my God. Well, now the potholes just don't have to be four feet deep. <laughs> yeah, right? So it works the opposite exactly, now. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, we got it. All right, all right.
0: All right. So at the beginning, it should have been orange barrels season and pothole season.
2: <laughs> true. Very true. Oh my oh gosh. My gosh. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh goodness. Okay. So now we have to let's get back on track here. Yeah. So, Thea, you know, let's cover the differences in rural and urban in our transportation system. It's really difficult to cover vast space, which is probably part of the issues that some of the counties outside of Franklin have. You know, it's, it's what the populations are very, very uh, compact and specific like Lancaster. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all compact. Um, we often have inadequate services in our rural communities. How do you balance the two?
0: Yeah, that is definitely the subject of a lot of conversation right now. We've been working on a mobility plan over the last um, year, year and a half. We're going to be finishing up um, uh, probably around the time this airs, uh, Mm -hmm. luckily. Um, And uh, some of the goals of that is to actually make the connections uh, between those services or identify where needs are and gaps are. Um, we've really spent a significant amount of time um, working with the counties particularly outside of Franklin County to address those needs mm-hmm. and then we've additionally been working with coda to talk about the connections they need to make right um, I've even wrote a couple grants and unfortunately the last one we wrote didn't we didn't get funded but we've actually started that that coda, Uh, what I call county connections, right? Like we're just uh, working with them to determine these different places and where we can make those connections. A lot of those conversations have started and we're at least starting a little bit of work in that direction. Nothing too formal yet because um, we're just trying to really, I think with the understanding where the finances are coming from, uh, we're kind of in this, you know, kind of gearing things up right now. But uh, certainly we are listening to those counties outside of Franklin and particular, um, and how we can help them. And I I, I have a lot of thoughts about ways we have to step up these services if we expect people to be able to age in place in in our communities. And
2: that was one of the things I I just wanted to follow up. Because we've got the aging in place, the, our, the aging of our population in central Ohio, which people need to get to the doctor, the dentist, the grocery store. But we also have the issues of individuals coming from the rural areas into Columbus for jobs. But also it's the other way around. Folks going from Columbus to rural areas where some of these huge, um, you know, the, the server farms and those kinds of things are getting built.
0: That is the number one workforce issue right now. Right. So Transportation.
2: It mm-hmm. has
0: been underlying and specifically um, the flow you're talking about inward out um, because those what I would references kind of like start of your career or start of your work experience um, type of jobs, they tend to be out maybe at Rickenbacker or Mm -hmm. out in um, Newark or or Pataskala. And the thing we hear the most often from those locations is we can't get people here. Or if one person who's driving all of them Uh, calls in sick or gets fired, now I've lost five people instead of one, right? Right. So um, we are very much uh, on the cusp of trying to solve those problems. I will say um, technology is going to be a part of it. CODA has really enhanced a lot of its traffic management and oversight of what's going on around not only their buses, but just around the region. Um, That's going to help us understand timing, um, mm-hmm. And I think when it comes down to it, the, you know, number one is lack of access to a vehicle or lack of access of getting someplace. Second is, well, if I've got to spend two hours going <laughs> there and two hours getting back, I don't even know if it's worth my time. Right. Right. Yeah, right. And so what I want to do is basically erase that number, two. Right mm-hmm. we gotta make sure that um you know it's comparable, it's equitable, right this is a this is a matter of equity in our region um and right. allowing people to have reasonable commutes to work, and that includes and you know whether you have a car or not mm-hmm. and so this is a step we have to be taking, and um it's definitely a top of mind
2: and you know it's been an issue the The fact that the pandemic had us at home um i think exploded that issue a bit but it's been an issue transportation in central ohio has been an issue in terms of getting to work
0: it's it's tough quietly always been there i sometimes it's louder than other times Mm -hmm. i mean i have staff that work in this around the clock we have a gohio program and we do van pools and car uh um, matching and we even have right now we have a commute action fund where if an employer um wants to invest in their employees getting to work in a sustainable mode we're not going to pay one to one cars but you know if they're sharing a ride or using a system that's established or a van pool we will match them up to five thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars on their investment. So it may be that everybody who rides in the Kip Van pool gets a special lunch every week or something like that. Will you know that would be an incentive? The type of thing we could incent. Um, maybe we're helping pay for the actual mode, right? So right. something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, uh, yeah, it's based on the number of employees they have in in their building, how much they're eligible for. But if they're willing to make an investment, we are too, because we know that's probably one of the most important things right now is getting
1: people back to work. Yeah. That's phenomenal. The, the pains you're talking about, is that similar to any other metropolitan areas and around the country?
0: Oh, we're all talking about it. I, the, okay. I was just at a conference okay. uh, in the fall uh, where we discussed uh, the things that we're all going through, and I would say getting to work is is probably okay. you know eliminating barriers to work, right? All kinds of them, right. right? But this one being one of the the more significant ones, the actual being able to get there piece. Mm-hmm. But there's educational ones too, and you know childcare. You know, you're hearing about a lot of this as as uh, particularly the um, transportation bill and the the bipartisan infrastructure package and Build Back Better were kind of coming through. Those were those out, those additional services that people were talking about. Yeah, those are barriers to employment. Um,
2: well, even think so. about the, the lack of being able to get a new car means there's a lack of used cars, means there's a lack of used used cars, which many people depend on Uh, for their younger members of the family or kids who are just out of school needing a job. And their car may be a used, used car, and they're not there to buy the cheapest.
0: And not only that, the cost of even a used car or a new car right now, that may come at a premium do the fact that there's so few of them,
2: so few, the the cost of it, the insurance of it, the gasoline of it, all of that, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So we're we're in. I wouldn't call them unprecedented, but uh, unprecedented recent times when yeah. it comes to that. Mm-hmm with supply and demand Um, but the other thing about this is when we evolve from this and I I know we will have confidence there's going to be so many more electric vehicles on the market right and electric vehicles are another place where we're going to be needing to make a lot of focus because
2: listeners her eyes are just lighting (laughs) up when you talk about electric vehicles
0: Uh, well I drive one there you go (laughs) I'm also the uh, president of Clean Fuels, Ohio, and have been for about four or five years cool. now. Cool. So um, I'm a big advocate of electric vehicles. Um, but uh, we'll say this is an, a very important topic in central Ohio because we are an auto industry region. And um, electric vehicles take a lot less parts than a traditional combustion engine vehicle. Um, So there's parts being made possibly in the region right now that won't be needed in five years for a new vehicle. Right, and then you see that evolve also that it's going to not be needed at AutoZone anymore either. Right, so we're you've got to completely overhaul the way automobiles are being made. We have one, you know, one big um, manufacturer in the region, but it, it doesn't matter. It's not just them. There's all these OEMs here too, the, the original um, equipment manufacturers for all the su- in the suppliers. So it's really important that we get a handle on this, understand it, be a part of the transformation of the auto industry from education, all the way through the built vehicle, so and I can tell you that our friends at um, One Columbus they are on top of this. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been working with them in that too. Yeah, we've we've kind of uh, although I, I mentioned um, all these other pieces, we've been soireeing into economic development quite a bit too. Uh, as this it is a goes big part hand of what in what we're hand, doing. right? Yes, yeah, yes. Exactly so cool. auto industry and electric vehicles is where it's at, and. Uh, nice used uh, electric vehicle is a way to go if you're not sure, you know, like that's a great way to start this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right.
2: Well, who is it? I think there was just a, and again, um, from the, from when we're podcasting today, there was just in the news recently uh, that somebody ordered, one of the companies ordered a huge a number of electric vehicles, um, rental car, a rental car, company
0: oh okay that
1: would make sense i think they yeah. ordered from tesla
2: that that could There's be
1: a big line of uh, buying teslas yes so um to to bring new new cars into their fleet right so i, right. Don't, I don't remember what name it was though but I heard, yeah but i think i, I don't, heard the tail right. end of the story but so, it's yeah.
2: but so yeah that's what i've always said i'm going to try a, an electric car by renting one first <laughs> <and try laughs>
0: exactly yeah yeah they they have a lot of bells and whistles on them a lot of you know gadgets um, they, they're top-notch vehicles there's no question about it like you know we are so much better connected um, lots of safety features but certainly something that you know if you're not used to driving that you're gonna want to get used to it um, it even trains you mm-hmm. on how to press the gas pedal oh how yeah fun. efficiently so that you're not wasting your electric which you never had a trainer on your <laughs> you know the last two electric vehicles I've driven right. actually has a, a thing that tells me you know how efficient I'm being with with the gas pedal. So yeah, really cool features, mm-hmm. and they're just they're just fun to drive. Um, you're so better connected and i feel like you know i you know i'm not an expert but i feel safer too in some ways because i i do have some more information as well as i know it has all the standard safety features yeah. that we've been building towards for so many years in the, in the automotive industry so yeah definitely check them out and i was gonna say with the rental car company that totally makes sense because so many of them had to offload a ton of vehicles yep. during the pandemic and uh, that's the reason why it's so hard to get a hold of one.
1: Right, right. The orders are back in. Yeah.
2: Actually, yeah. what I'm waiting for are the driverless vehicles. You know, driving Miss Daisy, so mm-hmm. I don't have to have anybody. Jeez. I won't ever not have not be able to get to the grocery store. So.
1: Oh my! That would be yeah. super
0: That'd cool be if there was like a whole brand of them or a focus, like you know, yeah. like a drive driving Miss Daisy just for for the you know. <laughs> that's I like think that's a gig. I think store. that's a gig
2: gig job. You know, you so <laughs> my next my next career.
0: <laughs>
1: exactly. I love it. Well, there's that new program, Linkus, that's connecting the outer edges of the community. Uh, launched last year, a program is a collaborative effort, which is good, and uh, private sector and neighborhood partners, and um, concentrating the efforts under a common umbrella. One really important aspect of the program is development of transportation corridors that run across Columbus. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, so – Link Us is an initiative of Morpsey, the city of Columbus, Franklin County, and Coda. Um And the whole goal there is to create high-capacity um, transit lines uh, that connect the region, um, in the core primarily, that you know, beat you know, at least beat current traffic speeds uh, so that and and create an opportunity for you to link from your neighborhood to your job um, in a way that you would expect in a city of this size. Right. Um, So we have a number of corridors that we're looking at. And oh, I want to make clear, too, this isn't just about transit. I said it was about transit, but it's also about bike trails and other amenities like ability to, you know, good, good sidewalks, good, uh, transportation hubs that have rental bikes and other you know maybe even like an amazon locker or something so mm-hmm. that when you do get off of the high capacity transit you can go and pull maybe your groceries out of a you know maybe Kroger working with us or something too so we're really looking at a fully connected service not just That's not cool. just transit mm-hmm. so um, but we started um and there's I would call them three lines really it's we started out with call, what was called like east-west which was west broad east main um but those are really two different lines right and um those two will be kind of the first ones that are going to be moving to the federal transit administration for funding. Um, and then the one that we've, we've actually started on first, but won't be the first to be constructed, but there's been a large focus on is what's known as the Northwest corridor. And that corridor is Olentangy river road, moving up to Bethel and then all the way up to Dublin. So those are the first three. There's a number of them. Um, I think, you know, looking at the LinkUs Us uh, website mm-hmm. uh, is a great place. You'll see the mm-hmm. map of all the different corridors. I'm not really good at <laughs> describing all of them on, uh, vocally, but uh, certainly take a look. I think there's about eight in that mix right mm-hmm. now. And, you know, it's really just about ensuring that all of our, you know, high capacity corridors have this option in addition to the standard vehicle.
2: We became more aware of LinkUs. Us Because with the work Brett and I were doing at the agency in Whitehall, we were doing a lot of work with the Whitehall folks. And they kept talking about this corridor across Broad Street, this corridor across Broad Street. Because, I mean, the federal, the huge federal center is right there. I mean, we could be bringing people in from all over to work at the federal center in Whitehall. Um, It would be phenomenal. But also, the people in Whitehall need transportation out. To get to their jobs.
0: Yeah, I mean, Whitehall's doing a tremendous job out there, anyway. And their community planning—we've been working with them on the Woodcliffe condominium site, a mm-hmm. uh, number of different grants. Um, but uh, yeah, I do think that that particular uh, site, whether it's the VA or the. Um, DSCC, mm-hmm. um, they, there's a lot of users of, like, our van pull program right. that go out there. Um, and so, yeah, they they sometimes they drive as far as – so, I mean, there's local folks who are working there. But we have people who we know ride vans from Dayton to go there because they maybe you know i know there was like a a unit out in kettering that used to do defense finance Mm. and many of them ended up over here in columbus as a result of that move so yeah we're still seeing people commute from far away for a job that they've had for a very long time
2: Mm -hmm. good Yeah. yeah
0: so thea i want to go back to
2: trains i love talking about trains um we're, we talked about Amtrak and the rail service. Anything else? I want to be the first person to buy a ticket. Is there anything <laughs> else going on that we can find out more about trains? I really want to get to Chicago.
0: Yes. Even New York. Yeah. I agree with you. I think, you know, and I, it, I think it's just about inter regional connections in general, right? So, uh, trains, I, I like the idea of us reinitiating train service in central Ohio. And I think it makes sense on the right. Um, distance, right? The right amount of time it takes to get someplace. And, um, you know, another line that we had looked at was Chicago through Columbus onto Pittsburgh, too. And that's still very much in our sights. We do realize that, you know, there's a potential with Amtrak. It's not on their long range plan yet, like the 3C corridor is. But um, I think there's that opportunity for it to be on their radar. And, you know, there's other train companies, right? There's not just, there's private sector um, train co- train um, organizations that aren't Amtrak that are providing service like down in Florida, known as Brightline. And that's, that's a different level of service. We can be talking to them. In fact, we have had conversations with them. You know, that's the same corridor I looked at for Hyperloop, right? And we're continuing our conversations with Hyperloop. Um so I think that's one of those things that's going to evolve as technology evolves but you know I think for a corridor of that length to be a good service to us as a region we need to find a way to get there faster right faster mm-hmm. than the train or faster than the kind of level of train service we would need for the Cincinnati to Cleveland, right? We just got to be kind of those interstate times plus a couple stops. Whereas you go doing that all the way out to Chicago and all the way out to Pittsburgh, it becomes another situation right. altogether. Mm. So I definitely, if anything I've learned through our most recent studies of rail is that we've got to still pushing forward on this Chicago and Pittsburgh um, connection that we want to make in a fast way.
2: Uh, well, it, And if we could show success in the 3C corridor, that people were interested in rail, then I think we would have a better chance of doing the Chicago, Columbus, Pittsburgh. But I, I, I also am wondering, um, with, a popul- with a younger population who is more used to alternative transportation modes, um, that this would be, you know, the, the, a flight to Chicago is only an hour. But that doesn't include the time in the airports at both ends, finding a parking place, getting your luggage there, that whole nine yards, as opposed to popping on a train and ended up maybe it is the same amount of time.
0: Mm, I think you're closer at driving, um, okay. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, and that's really what I want to focus on is getting that speed closer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how we're going to be competitive. It doesn't mean, you know. I think it's still a value, even if it's uh, not as fast trained, um, to go to Chicago and get started on that route um, because there's value in the stops. Right. Mm -hmm. Somebody who wants to maybe go from here to Lima. Somebody wants to stop in Fort Wayne, you know, and so on and so on. So I think there's still some value in that line. Establishing a service is a good thing to do. Um, And then improving upon that service is a good thing to do. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's the traditional way. Would I love to just break that traditional mold and let's just get there as fast as possible? That's my goal. (laughs) And if we get the service, that's a stepping stone to that that way.
2: But it could also be just like planes. You could have a straight-through flight to Chicago or you could have a flight that has a stop that goes to Dallas to Chicago. So you could have the stops or you could have a fast train.
0: Right. Yeah, and they call that an express. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Not not
2: fast in terms of speed, but in fast in terms of no, no stops. stops. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. That would be, you know, you're getting closer to the car times. Once, right. you, once you take that, uh, you take the stops out. But you also take out a lot of passengers whenever oh, you sure. don't make those stops. So, yeah. you know, there's there's that weighing of options you have to make on a route like that. And it's just very, it's it's significantly longer. So is, is there truly
2: that notion of, and maybe I'm misreading younger folks, that they are more interested in other, they would be more interested in rail because they are interested in alternative transportation as opposed to just getting a car?
0: Yeah. So, you know, along with electric, autonomous and connected vehicles is also the notion of shared automobiles. Mm. Right, And so the idea the shared economy and the idea that you know we're not there's there's at least some interest uh, sig- more significant than in the past that people may not want to own an automobile right. right um and that they may still be interested in sharing in a vehicle or renting one, right, um, mm-hmm. means that to go long distance, they may be looking at other modes too, like flying, like riding rail, things like that. They may not want to take a car to go on a trip like that, especially if they don't do it around town all the time, right? right. Why would you want to pick up a car and go on a long trip if you're only used to doing a short one? So I definitely agree with you. I think there is there is a population growing for that. Um, I think this last couple of years has got you rethinking everything. Of course, that was all before the pandemic. Uh, so I, I hesitate to say that it's still there. But I really do feel like, you know, it, it goes part and parcel with the future of the automobile.
1: Right. Sure. Right. You know what we didn't talk about? And it reminded me the electric vehicles and the, the charging stations. So, I mean, that, that we're so used to having gas stations mm-hmm. around every corner, it seems like, uh, with a Starbucks. Um uh, what's Morpsey doing with regards to recharge stations to, to help support that transition into electric vehicles
0: yeah well we've been working to attract grant funding for that um that's we do have some of our resources are eligible for that too and we have funded those in the past typically ours are focused at um the uh, public sector like fleet vehicles. So, and, and even the ones in the bottom of the garage, though, um, at Columbus were funded v- by our team um, and by Morpsey. Um, but uh, I think into the future, you know, you're going to see us doing a little bit more of that. Uh, we also have helped people identify locations where they would be best served by um, electric vehicle charging, Um, I, you know, we've done energy analyses to determine, you know, what we're going to need as far as energy in order to be able to support this in the region. So we're right there. We're right there in that, in that electric vehicle conversation. It's a, it's a daily conversation. I always think I'm like kind of a novice at this. Like I, I love electric vehicles, Uh, But when it comes right down to it, like when I'm talking, it seems like maybe I know a little bit more about it (laughs) than I thought, because everybody's learning it right now. So I just know there's people out there who know it better than I do. But I'm really excited about it. I think we all should be, because it is part of a solution to climate change.
2: Well, and you know, truthfully, I think it's like any other car that we would buy, talking to somebody who has one is a lot better than talking to the salesperson. So the fact that You're talking to us from the perspective of an owner makes a huge difference.
0: Well, as an early adopter, um, salesmen are just not ready for this electric vehicle thing. They will try to talk you out, or at least my experience. And, you know, I've been driving one for a couple of years now, so I'm sure it's gotten better. But at the time, I was like, "Uh, well, I don't know much about that. But let's go look at this. We're (laughs) going to sail on this. And one of my vehicles, I had to, like, chase down to the dealership because I just couldn't. I couldn't even buy it in Central Ohio because I couldn't find it. So um, uh, it's not a Tesla, by the way. So it's just a a Pacifica minivan. But um, it's part electric. Um, But, uh, yeah, so it's really, you know, the customers up until now that are seeking electric, we're doing it because they were early adopters. Now we're moving into kind of the, the range of folks who are going to be kind of the mainstream adoption of yeah. electric vehicles. And then you'll have the laggards who are just not going to. So um, now as we move into this, the marketing is going to get better. And, you know, there's going to be more educational assets around how do I use this. The number one thing that hampers people from wanting to get an electric vehicle is that range anxiety. So Mm -hmm. the range anxiety is, uh, you know, the idea that, oh, my goodness, that this vehicle might run out of electricity. I don't know where I'm going to plug it in at. I don't I'm not familiar. You know, so having all those electrical charging places around the community is really important. And I think you're going to see some of our gas stations kind of start offering up that service as they evolve, too. And the profit
1: centers inside where you buy your Diet Coke and your coffee and your donuts. It's not the gas pump.
0: Right, exactly, and I think the other thing to keep in mind is if you notice the new um, gas stations that have popped up, they don't look like gas stations as much anymore. They're big retail; they're they're right. bigger right. retail establishments mm-hmm. than what they used to be. And then you know they have the pumps out front, but that could be reconfigured in a heartbeat. Right. So um, yeah, I think that's it's just an interesting time to see this evolution. And you know, I think the last thing I'll say about it. Um, I think there's you know, folks who maybe don't believe in climate change, right? Or they, they still feel like fossil fuels is for us. Well, electric does not have to hamper your view on that, right? I think there's people who kind of tie that electricity to that. The truth is electric and having electric vehicles actually gives us a medium where we can put energy through kind of almost – Any type, because almost all other types of energy can create electricity. Right. Right. Wind, solar, natural gas. Electricity is made of all those things. Even fossil fuels. You know, if you have a generator at your house after a tornado or something, you're putting fossil fuels in that thing and it's producing electric for you. So... That is not the root of evil. Uh, and I think it's, of course, we need to focus on climate change. Like, there's no question about it. But, it, you know, electric is not the bad guy. Right. And so it is a good opportunity to get a highly efficient vehicle. Um, I'll tell you what, spend a lot less money on gas. And mine, mine's still partially gas, right? Uh, uh, and um, oil changes will be a thing of the past if you have a full electric vehicle.
2: Well, and I can remember the pretty clear sky we had when nobody was on the road during the pandemic. Yeah. The difference was phenomenal in a really short period of time.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to make a significant difference. I think one of the things that... um I, I've learned about recently is um, that Elon Musk has a company. It's called The Boring Company. Um, and um, this company actually bores holes, really deep holes, and, and they do these tracks for vehicles. Now, the vehicles are not driven by just the late citizen. You have to actually have, you know, be, um, it's it's like transit, basically. You have to have a driver. The whole goal is that these will be autonomous because about 95% of the drivers actually can't do the course. Uh, so, you have to have a really skilled driver or these autonomous features for this to be successful into the future. But it's really exciting because they've just launched this out in Las Vegas to connect a couple of things around their convention center. It's just like a one mile test track. But they were talking about putting these vehicles down in this tube. And I'm like, um, aren't they going to get carbon monoxide poisoning? No, electric. <laughs> doesn't have any emissions and like right. yes I've, i mean of course i should know that but you know it's just you know these are the things that like change you know the idea that we could run a subway of electric vehicles um whereas we couldn't have done that with fossil fuel right without yeah. a lot of um ventilation and i mean we still would need a ventilation but not like you need for interesting um, yeah yeah so it's just it, it really changes the paradigm of all kinds of things we could do
2: mm. Well, it, needless to say, this has been phenomenal. <laughs> we I could talk transportation all day long with Thea. We, as I said, we have fun, but we learn something new from you every time we sit down at this table. Mm-hmm. So, thank you very much um, for our listeners. We're going to have all this information about Morpsey on our on our website. I think one of the most important things that you said is that if people want to have a voice in these discussions there are ways to do that check the morpsey website we'll, mm-hmm. we'll make sure that's on there um, to uh, to get your voice heard about transportation so even when you call the local tv station and complain that you need a a light at this corner planning has to happen mm-hmm. it can't just pop out of thin air so um, but but people do need to hear your voice before we we stop though any other words of wisdom or any other topic that maybe we forgot today?
0: Well, what what I like to think is that, you know, that the future, I work on the future quite a bit, right? And, you know, 30 years out. And right. The future becomes today every day. Quickly. Right. And so that is what we really need to be focused on because I think we talk about the future a lot and we're like, oh, it's, it's out there, but it, it, ha- it can happen overnight. And I think the pandemic definitely proved that to us because it sped up a lot of things that were happening in our economy. And so just think about what those disruptors um, are doing and what they're going to do for us in these years to come.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, before we leave, Happy birthday early.
0: Oh, thank you. Yes. yes, yes. yes. Three by
1: days. Time, by the time this publishes, your birthday is going to be right around the corner. Yes. So it's probably even too early to ask big plans. Like, don't even know yet. Don't even know yet. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah. You know, I know we'll be in the midst of a lot of work at that time. I normally sure. wait till about the spring to get out and about and go on a little there vacation. You go. But, Take advantage yeah. of that. Sure. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Well, hey, again, thanks for being with us today. And uh, listener, you can find this podcast as well as information resources on our website. Head to LookingForwardOurWay.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Thea.
0: Thanks. You guys are great.